Truth Espresso, episode 209. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, friend, family, foe, and lurker alike. Welcome to this episode of Truth Espresso. I am your host, Daniel Minnick, along with my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea, here to talk about more parenting, how we should treat our children, not treat our children. And this episode, we're going to talk about how to evaluate our parenting, make sure our motives are right, make sure to ask ourselves questions questions kind of give ourselves a little checklist, a little grading, if you will, on our parenting. So, sweetheart, you ready to evaluate some parenting with me this episode? I think so. (laughs) Yes, we'll go for it. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, thank you, sweetheart, for the outline that you uh, worked on for this episode. I think we're going to discuss some very good points, some very good questions. So evaluating our parenting, just how are we doing as parents? It's always a good idea to stop and think there's always room for improvement. And when we test ourselves, we can only aim to do better. And it doesn't matter whether we're dealing with newborns, toddlers, grade school, teenagers. There's never a wrong time to stop and think and ask ourselves some questions. What am I doing here moving forward with parenting? Can I do better? Do I have the right motivations? Am I handling my children in a biblical and godly way? Am I parenting for the sake of my children or for the sake of myself? And so first off, in talking about evaluating our parenting... I just like to read a verse to answer the question, is there any areas I could work on or what I need to change and to recognize how the Word of God gives us a guide for chastening children? Proverbs 3 verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So I focus on those words, loveth and delighteth. So as we're bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, there are times where we might have to chasten or correct them. So what is our motivation for doing that? Are we doing it out of anger? Are we doing out of frustration or do we do it carefully and thoughtfully as the Lord gives an example of how the Lord chastens us, whom he loves he chastens, he delights in us as a father. And so that's why he puts in the attention to make sure that to correct us, to lead us on the straight and narrow. And yes, chastening can feel a little like painful, but that's the promise that we have in the scriptures is if God... God is chastening us, correcting us. We know it's because he loves us and we are his children. So I'm trying to remember a verse, babe, that kind of made me think about how we need to just be vigilant in evaluating how we are doing parenting. 
maybe you can help me remember what verse I'm thinking of. I was thinking it was Paul where he's talking about testing or looking at your works, whether they be true and worthy, something like that. Let's see. I'm trying to remember the, or is it like whether they be true or whether they be (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Whether works be pure, whether they be right. Yes. Okay. That's Proverbs 20, 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Is that the verse? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so even a child is known by his actions, whether the actions are pure or right. If a child is known by his actions, how much more the parent of a child to have to be aware of the fact that our actions, our actions are known. Our personality is reflected in our actions and we can't do actions towards other people, especially toward our children without it coming back on us and being made known. And so, yeah, good verse there. So you heard about how to evaluate ourselves, make sure, you know, our actions matter. So when we're evaluating how we're doing as parents, I think this is something that's good for both self-reflection and then reflecting how we're doing with each other, like as a couple, because sometimes we might be doing something and I might be saying something to our kids And I'm not aware that, oh, that made my child feel shut down or something. And you noticed that. So you can be like, you know, when you said this, I could tell that our child seemed kind of upset by that. And it's just a good way to have that accountability, but also that, you know, like how the Bible talks about the iron sharpeneth iron. Like it's not, we're not being critical of who we are as parents or who we are as a mom or a dad, but it's helping each other grow and it's helping each other learn and see because sometimes we can't see what we're doing ourselves. And that's where our spouse can come in and help guide us with that as well. So we're kind of hoping that these next few steps that we go through and questions to ask that these are just tools that we can use ourselves and that maybe you as listeners can implement as well to just kind of, again, like you mentioned, babe, have the like checks and balance system in place to make sure that we're just constantly trying to be the best that we can. I and mean, of course, we keep saying over and over that we are yeah. not perfect and parenting is a time where it definitely even shows or magnifies our imperfections. But I think that's where it's kind of amazing to be a parent because then you can see wow, I am so imperfect, but our Heavenly Father still loves me and He still cares about me. He's not giving up on me. And I think to me, that's like kind of the blessing of being a parent is that we get to see who God is as our Heavenly Father who is perfect. It's just a different understanding of that relationship with Him. And I'm kind of going on a <laughs> and I said I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, definitely good thoughts there because you know, we do have God as our example of parenting there. He gives that illustration. And as you mentioned, we're learning, we're trying to evaluate ourselves in this process, you know. So, yeah, these questions that we're going to ask, especially to help you, the listeners, out, they're questions that we came up with to ask ourselves. Because sometimes if we make parenting way too simple of a thing, we might overlook the needs of our children and 
you know, as we're going to see, we don't want our children to be shut down or to be having to hide things that will come out later, come out to bite us in the end. So parenting needs to be intimate, intricate with our children and open and transparent and stuff like that. So we'll get into the questions now to evaluate parenting. And so the first question to ask of how are we doing as parents is, are we providing our children with security or are we always scrutinizing them? And so children need to feel safe in their home. The home should be the safest place that children can feel. Like, uh, you know, if you have your children go to school, school should be a safe place. But they should feel the most safe when they're at home. Now, I know even in some situations where parents might be kind of exploiting their children, children will still have the innocent hearts where they're still drawn to home even if there's trouble there so how much more do we want to make sure that it really is safe for them (laughs) that they feel safe legitimately and not just because they're somehow trained to think that way when things aren't really safe for them (laughs) but yeah i don't know if that makes sense but yeah so for helping them to feel secure at home we should avoid scrutinizing every little thing that they do Because, yes, as parents, we need to recognize that children learn and grow. They're little sponges. (laughs) They take in lots of information. There's a lot of things that they have to learn. And so, especially young children, they're going to do things that might embarrass us as parents in public, or it might feel like annoying stuff. And we have to recognize that, yeah, that's because they're children. That's because they're learning. Go with that flow recognize it and help them without making them feel insecure by scrutinizing all the things that they do that are wrong or rub us the wrong way. Because if we're constantly scrutinizing and criticizing what they're doing, then they'll feel unsafe. They feel like they have to avoid doing things because it'll shut them down. And that's not secure. I think, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week about making sure that we're not being critical constantly, but we're actually complimenting our children as well. And just like you said, I think you explained this the best. I mean, just providing that safety place for them and safety is so much more than just physical safety. That's like, okay, they're (laughs) safe within the four walls of our house from the weather outside But even more so emotionally, they're safe. We're not putting them down for every little thing. We're not ignoring them because they're annoying or something. We're actually making that effort to see them and recognize their value and building them up. And that's a way to help them feel secure in the home. Definitely, because like, say you have children that go to school, they're going to run into their peers, other kids who don't understand how to treat you know their peers other than to, say, pick on them and make fun of them or bully them, stuff like that, for maybe little nuances or flaws or something like that. 
as parents, we need to make sure our children feel secure around us, that we truly love them and care for them, and we're not going to make fun of them. We're not going to put them down for mistakes or even say maybe some of your children might have like a physical abnormality or habitual abnormality. You know, it's like they need to feel secure at home in front of their parents with it that we can comfort them through it and help them through it and not be like the kids in school who are going to make fun of them or the teachers there who might be like strict with them about it. That's why we homeschool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I think that for people that do homeschool their kids, it's even more of a challenge because you're around your kids more. So sometimes it's a longer, more stressful day and it's easier to start to kind of pick up on their little tics or annoyances that they like to walk around stomping their feet back and forth. (laughs) I don't know, just something like that. But it's just, yeah, like we're talking about just trying to provide that safety net for them to feel like they can be themselves. They can be who God made them to be, this wonderful, beautiful child that God gave us. And I think a great Bible verse to kind of support this point is Leviticus 19.18, where it says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So the verse you brought up there, sweetheart, once again shows how God treats us as children. So when he commanded the Israelites to treat each other well, don't bear grudges or seek to get back at someone for something petty like that, but you love your neighbors yourself. And of course, that's repeated several times in the New Testament. As Jesus says, that's the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And how God emphasizes after that saying, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, to say, I am putting my stamp of approval on this commandment. You love your neighbor as yourself. You don't begrudge people because I am God Almighty. Yes, I think that's very powerful and helps us to recognize as parents that we really need to be careful how we scrutinize or criticize our children. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ, truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. Much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org christianpodcastcommunity.org One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. Next question, second question to ask ourselves and evaluate our parenting. Are we affirming or abandoning our children? 
Yes, we we did mention that in the last episode to make sure that we're complimenting our children. We're telling them things like, good job, you did a great job, I'm so proud of you. Things like, I am so blessed to be your mom or dad. So affirmation lets your children know that we're seeing them, we care about them, and we love them. We're speaking truth about them. Because if we don't affirm them, then they might feel abandoned, ignored, and start to wonder, like, am I just a nuisance to my parents and stuff like that? Because they just kind of don't say much good about me or toward me and stuff. So always remember children need that. It helps them grow. It's, you know, we're not talking about untrue compliments here, but they, they need encouragement. They need us to be cheerleaders for them because that helps them improve. The words of affirmation give them the booster, like you know, like drinking an energy drink or something. You know, it helps them perform better and better as they grow to hear their parents, the ones that they feel secure with, the ones that they know love them the most to cheer them on and always tell them when they do the right thing because children like to hear that. And so think of an example of when we're potty training our children to clap and say, yay, good job. They're all like, look at me, look what I did. They're so proud of themselves. And what does that do? It helps them to achieve. And I mean, the same is true if we think about it when we're adults in the workforce it's not fun to work in a place where your boss only points out your mistakes or criticizes your performance or your work and you never hear any affirming Mm -hmm. or anything like good job or wow this is amazing work this time or when you don't hear that then you're going to be exhausted and miserable you probably want to quit your job or (laughs) it's not a place that you would want to work because no one wants to hear criticism or where you failed all the time and the same with our children we can't constantly or only pay attention to them when there's something that went wrong if they you know spilled milk all over the floor and we get upset about it and we pay attention to them at that point then you know if they are wanting attention then they're going to purposely spill milk on the floor next time because that's how they get attention now even though it's a negative attention and unfortunately that's not a good way to portray a parent and child relationship and so yeah just affirming them and I mean that's kind of the part that I like about affirmation is that it's speaking truth about them to them so it's like telling them a truth about themselves and like you said just kind of giving them that umption to keep going or to pursue that good behavior and I think that's kind of the fun part of parenting is that part where it's like some days you have to be quite creative because there was a lot of drama that day or something. You have to figure out, okay, there was something good in here. And so sometimes it's a little bit more challenging. But when we do find those places where we can encourage them and just keep them feeling like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just a blessing to do that. Yeah, clear through the fog of the things that weren't so well and zero in on the things that they did that were good and encourage them. You know, you did a good job doing this today. You know, keep that up. Or mom or dad loves it when you do this. 
They know what they need to focus on, and if they focus on the good things that we appreciate and affirm them on, then they'll be more likely to filter out some of the things that we didn't compliment them about. Yeah. <laughs> A verse that I found for this point about affirming children. Now, these verses aren't specifically geared toward children, but they just as well apply to anyone. So Proverbs 3.27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. That is a cool verse for that. <laughs> yeah. So this verse kind of goes to the, like, some people just might not feel like showing good or giving good to other people, but it says, when it's in your power to do so, do it. You know, don't withhold it. And so, yeah, those times your children did some good things, but your brain is so rattled with all the chaos that you just finished with at the end of the day and stuff. Withhold not good from your children. Focus on the good that they do and give them the affirmation that's due the good that they did. And Question number three to evaluate our parenting is, are we expecting our children to meet our needs? So this is kind of to ask ourselves the overall question about, why do I have children what is their purpose in our family? And yeah, unfortunately, there are some families where the children are kind of mistreated in a way where the children become the, I don't know if you want to say the servants of the parents or like, you know, a place to put blame, a place to, <laughs> if you have examples of this, we are. Yeah, so I think that when I was trying to think through this question myself, that sometimes it's kind of a role reversal where we expect our children to kind of be the parent and that they're the ones that meet our needs. So if we're having a bad day, then we expect our children to cheer us up. And it's like, okay, but that's not our child's place to cheer us up if we had a bad day because we're the adult and that's putting a lot of pressure on our children if they have to feel responsible for making their parents happy because the parents had a bad day. And it's interesting. I see this a lot in some of the clients that I see come through where there's a lot of... The clinic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where there's a lot of that role reversal where a lot of these young women feel like they're kind of the ones responsible for their parents. So then they become kind of the parents' pawns. They have to do everything to please their parent. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad because then they're kind of in this hard place. Like they can't really, they're so controlled by their parent. They can't get out and make different choices or there's no room for them to grow and I don't know it's interesting place to be and I think that this is one that we just have to be so careful that we don't head down that road as a parent and expecting our children to meet our needs and often this will manifest itself the most when their children are old enough teenagers or maybe college age or just young adults where parents will then expect those children to be like okay now you're going to take care of thy house. You're going to take care of everything like that. Well, I think it can even be younger kids too, where I'm thinking it's probably most likely in more of the abusive type of situations where that can happen, but it's almost like 
I need certain needs met and you're putting those expectations on your child, even though that's not the child's place to meet those needs. And I think that, I mean, it can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be spiritual. I mean, there's so many different levels where that can take place. But again, it's kind of that parent is abusing their place as the parent and making their child have to be responsible for the parent's happiness, basically. Like one example might be, okay, you have a few children and then you make the oldest one kind of be a parent to the younger ones and take over all the parents' roles over the younger ones. Like, okay, now you're 100% babysitter to the younger ones or something so I can have comfort or something, you know. Oldest one, you're now parenting, feeding, changing all the diapers, just watching them and stuff might be one example. So evaluating our parenting, you know, what is the role of our children? Are they to make us happy or are we to try to make them happy? And once they grow up, then they'll naturally make us happy you know, as parents because they want to because of how we raise them and stuff. But it shouldn't be parents exploiting children for the parents' whims. I just have a cool verse oh. to go with that. <laughs> oh, you have a, yeah. I don't know the reference off the top of my head. I will find it. (laughs) Okay, Proverbs 31, and her children rise up and call her blessed. Proverbs 31, 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. So I was just thinking that, I mean, as the children grow, that they will like you said, kind of mature into that role of recognizing what the parents' role was in blessing the parents at that point. But when the children are younger and they're under the parents' care, then that's not really their place to like bless the parents at that point, I guess, is kind of what I was thinking with that verse. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great verse so you are to go with this point there. If we're blessing our children, then they will rise up and bless us for our parenting. So question number four, evaluating our parenting. Are we not allowing our children to express negative emotions? And I think this is a very common thing that because, you know, sometimes with children express negative emotions, that they cry a lot, it can be loud, it can be inconvenient. And if we're trying to make sure that we feel comfortable or whatever, as parents, we might see the crying, the tears, the frustrations of children as being super or excessive or something like that and so that can either annoy us or make us feel bad or we did something wrong or we don't have control over the situation and so some parents can be control freaks and deny their children the space to express negative emotions and that could be sadness that can include anger now you know when it comes to things like anger we have to be on top of that you know we can't allow them to be like hitting each other or saying nasty things like that they need the space to vent their anger in a kind of ordered (laughs) degradation (laughs) it's a you know Do you have something to say about that, sweetheart? Examples of that? Yeah, so I liked how you pointed out, I'm not sure if I'm going to repeat what you said correctly or not, but sometimes the negative emotions can feel uncomfortable as a parent to watch your child go through that or express those. And so a lot of times 
we focus on how we feel as a parent. Like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Let me quickly just put out that flame. <laughs> I, I struggle with that a lot because I, I struggle with awkwardness and stuff. And, and negative emotions like that can be very awkward to me as a thinker type. It's something that I definitely need to work on, but as a parent, as a father. But. Yeah, I, but that you recognize that that is mm. something that you struggle with. And I think that's like so common and mm. easy for parents to struggle with that because like you said, they're being loud or it's going on for a long time. And you're like, okay, if I just hurry and put an end to it or try and just smother that out, then I'll feel comfortable again. But this situation isn't about us as parents. This situation is about our child and what they're going through and looking at them like they're experiencing some type of emotion, like you said, anger or mm. sadness or they're feeling hurt or whatever that emotion is that they're expressing and giving them that freedom to be able to express it. Because then when they are bigger issues later in life, they're going to feel comfortable and know like, oh yeah, mom and dad let me express my feelings. And of course, I mean, like you said, it has to be within reason. Like they can't go around hitting and kicking their brother and sister or their mom and dad or anything to express that. But it's kind of a... Yeah, it seems like a a weird situation might seem like a bit of a balancing act. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, like if a child is angry at the other one, they argued about something and then say like, I hate you. That's definitely something like, whoa, we don't hate our brother or sister. Tell them or apologize, give them a hug and. We need to parent those situations, but it seems that sometimes in some homes, it's like the roles reverse there where the parents are expressing all the anger and negative emotions at their kids and so on, or their kids observe them losing their temper a lot. But then when the kids are not allowed, all they can do is look wide-eyed at it and suppress themselves and that only leads to disaster because once the kids are older and they're no longer in the house, then all the suppressed negative emotions will end up coming out and they don't know how to control it because they haven't been allowed to express it and stuff. So the way things should be is that the parents should be able to exhibit more control. I mean, kids can see parents cry over situations that make sense, but children should see their parents parents as having more control over their emotions. They're more balanced and children need to have space to grieve, express some anger without contained, but then see their parents as role models, as examples of how to react and express things. So then they'll develop control over their emotions. So I thought of a good example of this. (laughs) So sometimes our boys like to argue about what game they're going to play with each other. And then out of the going back and forth, then one of them gets mad and they'll just stomp off and kind of pout in a corner. And eventually I'm like, all right, guys, this isn't going to solve anything if we're just going off somewhere and either like being sad or being frustrated you need to be able to talk to each other and say, okay, when you said this, I felt hurt. Or when you said this, I felt 
I like, you didn't want to play with me. <laughs> yeah, this is how I felt. This is how I took it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, otherwise, the other person isn't going to realize that how they were handling this actually hurt you. And that's not going to cause any change. And they most likely will do it again. And then I'm like, okay, guys, this is preparing you for the rest of your life. Because this is what we are constantly doing. Just even in like our marriage relationship or... <laughs> You know, relationships with family members or friends, if you don't communicate that something hurt you and you just hide it and suppress it, like you said, eventually that's going to come out and you're not always aware of how that's going to come out and it can come out in a negative and even more hurtful way. Like to me, the negative emotion part is such a great teaching moment Mm. with the children, like just helping them understand what they're feeling because a lot of times they don't even know what they're feeling. So helping them kind of identify what they're feeling and then, yeah, I would be upset too if my brother like whacked me on the head with a pillow (laughs) but you can't just run and hide and not say anything. You need to tell him like why you're sad or what happened and then that's how you guys will learn and grow and I just kind of like that those are like teachable moments, I guess. Sometimes they're definitely learning moments for us as parents, too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, sweetheart. Let's not suppress, let's not expect our children to suppress their negative emotions because it'll come out in spades when they're older and be to their detriment. And so, yes, let's be role models and examples to them so that they can express things and learn and grow and eventually control. A verse for this point I have is Ecclesiastes 4.1 where Solomon says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter, and on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. So this kind of makes me think of situations where you have in some homes of course the verse is talking about most likely adult oppressing adult but yeah this could describe the situations that you'd see in a chaotic home where children are kind of mistreated by angry parents but the children are not allowed to express any level of anger that they might need to vent in a proper venue or sadness or something like that so beholding the tears of one who's oppressed but without a comforter and yeah we don't want our children to experience that in the home where the home is supposed to be where they're safe and secure and allowed to be who they are and allowed to learn and grow and Okay, so I'm going to give you your trivia question now. (laughs) Okay, bring it on. (laughs) Well, you kind of saw me searching some of this. (laughs) You might have an idea where this one's going. But do you know who the oldest woman was in the Bible to have a child? (laughs) I'd have to guess that it's Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Yeah, Abraham, probably the oldest, well... After the flood, the oldest father and Sarah, after the flood, the oldest mother. Do you remember how old she was? Oh, let's see. (laughs) And I sometimes will get how old they were before the promise and after the promise confused. But let's see. Was she 75? Okay, yeah. Uh, Older than 75. Okay, that was probably before the 90. Yeah. Okay. It's like someone was 90. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, so Sarah was 90, and then Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, she was kind of... She was 88. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, those two were the oldest women who bore children in the Bible times. Yeah, naturally. Naturally, yes. (laughs) Naturally, yeah, without without modern technology. Yeah, so then I was curious and looking up, like, who's the oldest woman in modern days to have a baby? And we saw a woman from India who was unable to get pregnant for quite a few years, and she was 74 when she gave birth to twins after having in vitro treatments. So, so far she's the oldest woman <laughs> in modern times to give birth. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing what modern technology can do there to, <laughs> but God is definitely amazing with what he did in the Bible without in vitro and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being pregnant at that age, but that's pretty amazing that God allowed that and just gave the proper sustainability to do that. Like that shows how awesome our God. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. So the last question I want to ask in this episode for how to evaluate our parenting. Um, Number five, are we causing our children to be fearful of us? So it's kind of similar to the last question, but unlike suppressing negative emotions, we want to make sure that they're not afraid of us. They need to think of us as parents, not as kings and lords and executioner (laughs) or you know trying to think of other negative they're not prosecuting attorneys they're not judges they're not juries they're not you know (laughs) (laughs) i mentioned in the last episode about how we relate to our children when it comes to disciplining them that we shouldn't be like standing tall and glaring down our nose at them you know we should get on our knees or bring ourselves down to talk with them face to face and not lofty tower to little person hiding their face from you know from on high there so we should make sure that they're not afraid of us or terrified of us no like they should have proper reverence for their parents as their authority a loving respect that's the way children should think of parents but not as someone who's gonna like lash out at them or call them names or just yell at them especially that's a big thing as parents you don't yell at their children that's not discipline that's not biblical discipline in any shape or form because that shows a lack of control on the parents part over their emotions it's not a good example so yes don't yell at your kids don't provoke them to anger don't make them afraid of you discipline should be the opposite of that i don't mean the opposite in that we act cowardly i mean that they should be willing to approach us as parents in a disciplinary teaching fashion that you know they know that they can come to us with their misdeeds and that they know that we're not going to lash at them we're going to correct them we're going 
going to teach them. They know that they can get punishment, but punishment is not like retribution. We don't terrorize them with it. We don't trying to think of a word. <laughs> it's like teaching them consequences. Yes. <laughs> which is unfortunately so many young adults do not understand that because of mm. the lack of teaching natural consequences when they're growing up or parents constantly jumping in and trying to rescue their child. Like, okay, they get a speeding ticket. So then the parents like, oh, let me go talk to the officer and see if we can get this written down for you and like trying to minimize the consequence for their child. Like children have to learn that there are consequences for their behavior. Mm-hmm. And I loved how you talked about like there's the balance between our children fearing us and also like having that respect for us as well. Because that's how God, our Heavenly Father is for us. Yeah. Like <laughs> he wants us to fear him. But it's not a fear like, I'm so afraid, like, what is God going to do to me? It's more like, okay, I fear him because I know what he can do, but he loves me so much that he withholds that and he just wants to reach out and be like, okay, that was not the wisest decision you made, but I'm going to guide you through this and we're going to get through it and I'm still going to love you. And to me, that's like, okay, that's what we have to be as parents and helping our children understand that, okay, they can come to us with anything because we don't want them to feel afraid. If it's something small, like, oh, I didn't finish my math today. Okay. Well, good job coming to me and telling me that because that was really brave. I mean, it's scary to come to your parents and tell them you did something wrong. But when they feel comfortable and they come and tell you something, we have to recognize that and let them know like, wow, thank you for coming and telling me that. But then not just blowing it off and being like, okay, you're good. But be like, okay, so since we didn't finish math, we need to either finish it now or you won't be able to play a game tomorrow or whatever the consequences. (laughs) There's a a, (laughs) YouTube channel that we've been watching recently called Blimey Cow that would talk about homeschooling and doubling up. (laughs) Yeah, that that might be something. Hey, well, guess what? You're going to have to do more school tomorrow or there's consequences they learn about that without us being angry or biting back or whatever we're also not putting down our children yeah and i know we've talked about this in previous episodes too but not saying like why did you do that like what were you thinking and I mean, just things like that can put your child down so quickly Mm -hmm. that they're not even going to pay attention to or even understand what they did wrong. So it's, yeah, there's so many parts of parenting that can feel very overwhelming. And I don't know, I'm like, (laughs) sometimes I'm like, what am I even doing? Am I doing the right thing for our kids? And I know like that's okay. So my favorite part about parenting is having you for a husband (laughs) because (laughs) no, I think it's so important like that. It's, it's a team thing Yeah, because when we can go to each other and talk to each other about like, okay, we had this situation with the kids today or, you know, I felt like I handled this wrong. Like, do you have suggestions on how I could have done this differently? And just kind of talking that through as a couple, I think is just really helpful. 
So I don't know. I just like that. You don't have to do it alone. Like that we're a team and we're both just trying to do our best for our children and because we love our children and we want the best for them. So Good points there, sweetheart. And yeah, we mentioned God as our example of parenting. I like how I don't remember the reference, but God says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I try to think of it as like, this is the creator of the universe talking to petty little Israelites, you know, but he's like condescending himself so much to their level to say, let us reason together and think like, what are the sins that they did? Like the wrongdoings, you know, though they be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Like how awesome is that? And that's how example of how we should think of our children how we as parents could relate to our children, discipline our children, you know, like think of their misdeeds, but hey, we'll work together on this and make them white as snow. (laughs) So a verse for this point, are we causing our children to be fearful of us? I have Galatians 5.15, where the Apostle Paul's talking about members of the body of Christ, but yes, we can apply it to parents and children parents treating their children wrongly it says but if ye bite and devour one another take heed that ye be not consumed one of another so yeah parents don't bite and devour your children don't make them fear you because it will end up consuming you especially when your children get older and then they become once they grow up then instead of fearing you then you'll end up fearing them they'll become your enemy and so on so yeah we don't want to bite and devour our children we don't want to make them fear us we don't want to become consumed by that and so that was five questions for evaluating our parenting are we providing our children with security or always scrutinizing number two are we affirming or are we abandoning our children number three are we expecting our children to meet our needs Number four, are we not allowing our children to express negative emotions? And number five, are we causing our children to be fearful of us? Questions to think about. Ask yourselves if your parents there to evaluate your parenting with your children. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso in the series where we will ask ourselves five more questions to evaluate our parenting. And so, God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 